Hello and welcome to Match Day FM. It's Morgan and it's deflected in out of absolutely nothing. Curzon and Ashton lead. Dixie to Hardy. Hardy in behind. Hardy past the goalkeeper. Hardy into the goal. 2-1 filed. Chance of Colin Day. Bobbing everywhere again. The other shot. And it's in. It's a recall as for Colin Day. It's been coming. What's a gap and he goes through it. And Akron gets the first try of the game for Siddle. Dan Bradley on his debut scores his first goal for Fylde. They've got it with Smith. They've got it with Smith. They've got a score with Smith. Unbelievable. Great chance. They've won it. Ashton have won it. Hello and welcome to Prem Talk, the latest episode for the Match Day FM podcast. I'm Chris Stott and I'm joined by Tom Whitehead and Harry Reynolds. And we'll hear from them too very shortly, but we'll quickly bring you up to date with the latest scores from the last week of the Premier League, which saw Wolves beat Leeds United by a goal to nil. The Saturday saw a draw between Southampton and Chelsea 1-1, goalless between Burnley and West Brom. Everton won at Anfield by two goals to nil, and that's a topic we'll be coming on to very shortly. Fulham, big win for them against Sheffield United, 1-0. West Ham beat Spurs, 2-1. Same scoreline for Leicester at Aston Villa. City won again at Arsenal, 1-0, before Man United beat Newcastle, 3-1. Crystal Palace got the ultimate smash and grab at Brighton, two goals to one. And then on Tuesday, Leeds in the second game of the week beat Southampton, by three goals to nil. So since we've got a red and a blue on the programme today, we may as well talk about what was a uh, quite significant result at our field. Everton winning by two goals to nil to break a run of results away at Liverpool that has gone back way into 1999. And I'll come to the victorious blue, which is uh, Harry Reynolds, and Harry, just how great did it feel to finally know that Everton have won at Anfield? Well, it was uh, great enough for me to end my abstinence of uh, drinking into 2021. I'd gone January <laughs> and February and cracked out the whiskey after that one. But yeah, I mean, it still didn't kind of feel real uh, after the game. I was pretty downbeat before, to be honest, when I seen a team, obviously... Alan and Carvalhoon were supposed to be back fit. Ancelotti said as much and, and they weren't even in the starting lineup. And it yeah, it, it felt like one of those again where we might miss miss our chance. We obviously had an even better chance really last year in the FA Cup to win at Anfield. And we I think they played their under sixes and we still got beat. So um you can say what you like about the team that Liverpool have put out and obviously they've got their injury problems, but uh clearly Everton did too and to get that win, it, I mean, the club feels just completely different this week. Like it's, um, it's like a big curse has been lifted because not only was was obviously going back 20, 22 years to the last win at Anfield, but it was 2010 uh, for the last win that Everton had over Liverpool in any format. I think it was a run of 23 games. So uh, to get that hex off off uh, off the club is is massive. And um, yeah, thankfully we don't play again until Monday, so I can still revel in it for a little bit longer until they ruin it for me. And from the other side then, Tom, usually these games, you just know you're going to at least get something from it. This is for the, the first time in a long time then that, that Liverpool haven't. Um, obviously, it was going to happen at some point. And did you feel going into this one that it was probably, it just felt as though uh, Everton had a great opportunity? Yeah, at best, I thought we, it was evens for us. That, that was at the best. Um the form, as we know, has been just pathetic going into this. So I, most of us have had our trepidations about it. And um, when Everton kind of made the perfect start, it just sort of, well, I mean, from a lot of us, a lot of people like me just sort of already knew the sort of how it was going to go. We've just seen it so many times over and over, a similar story. Admittedly, in some of the games we have lost at Anfield, the goals haven't come that early from the opposition, but it's just the, the same old story of forever noodling around penalty area, but having absolutely no attacking, no penetration to even get a shot at goal barely. And um, yeah, it did feel ominous when they scored the other goal. I'm not going to lie. Um, but they were fair play to them, brought the habit of a lifetime. And they probably deserved it. I can't argue against that. And trying to get out of this rut just seems to be harder than ever. The, the, or the home rut anyway, the home Premier League rut. We'll call it. 
I know, Harry, you haven't always been an admirer of uh, Ancelotti's tactics on occasions, um, but I seem to remember be tweeting something along the lines of Pat the bus after you'd uh, gone 1-0 in front. But ultimately from there, they had the best chances, didn't they, Everton? They could have, on another day, won by a couple more because uh, Seamus Coleman's Mr. Sitter and Richarlison decided not to shoot when he was pretty much one-on-one with uh, Alisson as well. So it could have been a lot, a lot more for you. Yeah, I mean, I should probably clear up on that front. Uh, I mean, although I, I, I can question the tactics sometimes, I, you know, Caroline, so I clearly know a lot more about football than me. Um, parking the bus, yeah, I, I immediately said straight away we scored too early. And I mean, to be honest with you, even at 2-0, I, I still felt like if they scored, then the, the house could still come caving in. Um, so it wasn't really until the full-time whistle that there was that, like, uh, actual confidence that we were going to do it. Um, but yeah, obviously, Coleman should score. I think it was pretty much anyone else but Coleman on the pitch. Then that goes in. Uh, an unbelievable from Luca Dean, obviously, who's just signed a new contract. Uh, yeah, Richarlison should have shot. Um, yeah, it was it was, it was was pretty comfortable, to be honest. I know uh, Pickford made a couple of good saves. One from Henderson that was, well, really a pot shot from the edge of the box. And uh, he did well to stop Salah. But other than that, I don't think there was a real chance Luke Willow where you think oh he's got to score that it was sort of a lot of um, half chances and uh, it was it was good to get a clean sheet more than anything to be honest because uh, we've been laying in a lot of sloppy goals uh, particularly from set piece in recent weeks so yeah good on all fronts but the the problem is it, it kind of it just discounts what happened against Fulham really because you'd expect to beat Fulham at home and then whatever happens Luke Willow happens so uh, that's been the story of our season, really, obviously losing to the teams that we feel like we should beat, but then we've picked up some good points um, against the better sides. No, just, to, uh, just to build on Harry's point, I think it it tells you that both Liverpool and Everton are struggling at home, particularly at this moment. It tells you how much the crowd means to both clubs. Um, and it's, um, yeah, it's a strange one when <laughs> away form is becoming a more sort of more reliable source of points. And um, I just I think it just sums up how desperate we are to have the crowds back in. If that's the sort, if that's the, that's the point I'm taking away from all of what's been going on, it's that both clubs and to be fair, there as well as everyone else, but particularly Liverpool and Everton both need their fans back. But well, just on just on that, I mean, neither of us have won at home in 2021 in the league. Exactly, exactly, and it's it's just such sums up the situation. Yeah, that is a bizarre stat when you think of historically both clubs are usually pretty decent at home. Never easy places to go to Anfield and, and, and Goodison. And Tom, for, for you in, in that game, Harry mentioned that Pickford made a couple of good saves, um, but ones that Jordan Pickford probably, you know, on form makes anyway. Is is the worry now with, with Liverpool, the fact that it's another game at home where they haven't scored and it's another one where they've, especially this one, they didn't look really like scoring. Yeah, Pickford's made a couple of saves, but at no point watching that as a neutral did I think Liverpool are going to score right now. And is that potentially yeah. a, a, one of the problems Liverpool have now that even because they had the front three on the pitch. So it's it's a baffling one, really, isn't it? Baff, baffling, but it's the way the form is at the moment. It's just so devoid of confidence and inspiration and just all the stuff that we... All the stuff we had in abundance for... Last season, even the season before, it's just gone. What made the team so such a juggernaut to behold about those two past two seasons? It's all drained away, and it's it's just it's just the body language of the players which I find most concerning. It's just sort of it's. I mean, I wouldn't call it feeling sorry for yourself, but I call it of just like oh, whatever, whatever we're going to do is not going to come off. And I mean, to be fair, I mean, you say the Pickford's knees, that one from Henderson, when I saw the behind-the-goal angle on match of the day, I thought, that is actually a really, really good save. And lucky that not to not to get a goal, I think, personally. Um, but apart from that, yeah, there was no other real threat. And it's just, it drains, it's becoming draining to watch. And I noticed this across, I've heard it from other fans as well. It's like, I think as Chris Coughlin said, it's sort of watching the same kind of game on repeat at home. Just the wheel dominate possession, won't do anything with it, and just gradually the minutes leak away. And then the opposition will get one or two chances and usually convert one of them. I mean, sometimes they're defensive mistakes, sometimes it's just a 
a lucky bounce here or there, but the point is they're happening. And yeah, it just feels like it's a rut that just feels impossible to go. I mean, you never know. I forget, but it just it's annoying because you know this team can put together decent run of results at any point, but it's just that spark isn't there. And it's yeah, it's not good. And Harry, um I thought Richarlison was excellent up top on his own. Um obviously you know, I, I thought when Calvert Lewin was injured that it would be a big ask for Richarlison to to play up front on his own. Um but it proved me wrong, he's scored a couple of goals um of late playing in that position but was excellent against against Liverpool in, in terms of scored the goal, uh, the first goal and then effectively created the second with, with the breakdown field. So just how good was his performance? Yeah, very good. Um, obviously, a completely different striker when he plays there to Calvert-Lewin. But um, to be fair, I think his job was, was relatively easy on Saturday because it was uh, against the high line. And once Henderson goes off, uh, you've got Kallak and Nat Phillips and neither of them can move. They're about, about as fast as a tractor combined. So... Um, with someone with his pace it was literally just get the ball over the top uh, particularly with the wind as well uh, and which gave him all sorts of problems in the first half and yeah for the second goal again just just an easy ball in behind Richarlison um, used his body well uh, to protect the ball and then they're away and yeah it, that's that's one thing that I mean Liverpool are clearly still playing with uh, the high line that they they played when they had the likes of Van Dijk and Gomez and they had the pace to be able to get back and, and the confidence to step on the ball there but with, without those two you'd have to say that Klopp needs to really be looking at some uh, a bit of a bit of a rethink there because it's just not working and it got it got completely exposed by uh, Richarlison on Saturday and, and he, he wasn't the first he certainly won't be the last Yeah Tom what's your thoughts on, on what Harry's just said there about that potential um, having to have a rethink of how the defensive line is structured no, he's right. He's right. Admittedly, we've not. It's it's a problem, and I mean, this, the sad sad point is we probably should have conceded more goals with with the amount of times I've seen teams getting behind us. And I mean, Everton could have had a few more. I'll be honest there. Um, and it's it's not even just that. It's even the sort of the basics which we used to get so spot on are just falling apart. Like the the, the goals against City, two of them were basically gifts from Allison to them. So the passing out from the back end again that. I mean, early stages of Klopp, that was when we had the likes of God Mignolet and um, and Lovren and those like that. That seeing us play out from the back, they used to cause man heart attacks. It's like going back to those days, and then that that sort. It's it's a combination of that, but yeah, I mean, just the defensive high line. If you've not got the players to do it, it's, just shouldn't be doing it. And then Kabak, really, God, it's it's a hard one because it's the ultimate baptism of fire. You couldn't come in at a worse time and. He said you either sink or swim in those situations. Unfortunately, he's doing the latter. So um yeah, it's not it's not it's not been good. I mean, I mean, I, I sometimes think it couldn't have couldn't have hurt to give Ben Davis a try. It really couldn't at this point. And then I thought, why is it when when he didn't even get a chance to come on for Henderson, I thought, what's what's he thinking there? I mean, surely it's for me, I I I think he could have done no worse than what happened, but that's my opinion. One of the major talking points from the game then was uh, the penalty that Everton got. Um, it's certainly one that's divided opinion. Um, what's your gut, you guys' thoughts on it? Um, come to you, Harry, um, as the team that benefited. Did you think it was a penalty? Yeah, I don't really get the debate on it, to be honest. Um, people say Alexander Arnold had nowhere to go, but he was going in for a sliding tackle in the first place. That's why he was on the floor that he completely missed. Then he's in Cavalier's way. Cavalier's got an open goal. And fair enough, Cavalier collides with him. But then Alexander Arnold sticks his foot up and chips him up. Now, he's not trying to play the ball in that situation. And this got lost somehow in, in the in the review and everything. I can't believe it even got reviewed. How that can be a clear and obvious error is beyond me. But it should also be a red card for denial of a goal scoring opportunity and he, because he hadn't tried to play the ball. So not only would we have made it 2-0, but then... Uh, an important player for Liverpool, albeit someone who's been pretty terrible this season, um, but someone who's developed how they play or like to play, uh, would have been suspended for the next game. So they dodged a bit of a bullet there. Um, but yeah, I can't understand how there was any debate on it whatsoever. He's tripped him up, stopped him scoring. 
Um, so it's a penalty and a red card. Yeah, well, to be fair, I, I, I agree on you because in my view, he's put himself in an unnatural position by making a tackle that he doesn't complete. If he completes the challenge, he, he ends up in an unnatural position, but he'd already won the ball. Because he hadn't won the ball, he's then impeded exactly. Calvert-Lewin. And ultimately, that's on halfway. It's still a foul. I don't get this thing about where this, it can be a, a foul on halfway, but it can't be a, a foul in the box and penalty. It's a foul, isn't it? It's just exactly. it is what it is. But um, from Liverpool perspective, Tom, what were your thoughts on it? Um, at the time when um, when when juices were in full flow and the tempers and the, the passions were all were all at the top, I felt quite grieved um, at the time. I thought it's a bit of I thought it maybe could have got out of the way, but then then obviously once I calmed down, I watched it back and yeah, it's part of the disagree with the outcome really. Um, the red card, I suppose you can debate another day. I mean, yeah, I mean, so I mean, some say it's just. No excuse, it should be off straight away. Um, I mean, if I, I personally, if he had got sent off, I wouldn't have had any complaints. I mean, I, again, it would have really been a sucker punch, but then looking back, again, you have to really take all the emotion out of it and said, yeah, you couldn't really argue against it. So, yeah, maybe probably did get a bit lucky there. Um, it's just one of those where when you watch it back in slow motion, it kind of gives me a bit of hope that, oh, my, this might not look as like maybe as much of a foul as when you watch it when you see when you see it just as it happens and yeah it's a clear it's a clear foul yeah and like you said um potentially lucky to get away with the the red card especially when you think of um recent red cards that we've seen in the premier league to david luis and bednarek where they've attempted to get out of the way and been penalized for for not being able to and, and being sent off and when you see something, especially when you see that little lift of the leg from Alexander Arnold, it makes you think, "What?" Mm. Well, it's consistency, isn't it? And yeah, don't get. Any, don't, I think you think you don't get any outbundled starts about consistency from referees this season. That's probably the one thing we probably all unanimously agree on. I think of any point whatsoever. Yeah, definitely. And uh, final points on uh, this game then is obviously. As things stand, Liverpool and Everton are both on 40 points, 6th and 7th respectively. Everton do have a game in hand. Um, the million-dollar question is, who finishes higher out of these two? Go with you, Harry. I don't know. I mean, it's very, very hard to say that. I, I As much as I'm enjoying it, I don't see this, this run of form continuing forever for Liverpool and the options they've still got, obviously, up front and in, in the middle of the park. Um are better than what we have. Well, maybe not in the middle of the park, but certainly the, the attacking options they've got of Mane, Salah, um, are better than what we've got. So you think at some point Natchez is going to clip back into gear and again, Klopp surely will make some sort of change at some point to try and rectify it. Um, and I don't know, maybe my opinion would change next week. We have to back these performances up with wins against teams that we should be beating and we really should be beating Southampton uh, the form they're in so I don't know at the moment I'll, I'll probably say Liverpool uh, purely because I don't think their run can continue as it is but come next week how they get on against Sheffield United and how we get on against Southampton it could be a totally different answer It's again it is as, as of how it's I think it's tougher to call than what I thought I mean I got it even a month ago I thought it was a done conclusion I wouldn't have had any second thoughts but now of course it's really going to play. I think that they look so good at times, where and then just so solid as well as you would expect from an Ancelotti team. I think, oh, they, I can see a steady stream of points coming in, and even with the setbacks they've had, they still look solid, compact, and they know they got they've got a way of sort of way of playing now. They've got an sort of yeah, they know what they want to do with their, the way they attack and defend, especially especially with the, like I said, the, just the organization and that that will get you points in this league. And they can perfect it, and then us. Um, okay, and to be fair, like Harry said I don't think we can be this bad. Surely, I mean, you don't go from God of ninety plus what was it ninety six points tallied last season to, to this to, to this kind of form and this kind of team overnight. I mean, it just doesn't. You don't the players like that don't just become awful players for like the rest of their careers. I mean, so yeah, I I think we will pick up points again. I mean, I, if I was to call it. Again, I'd still back us just, but maybe down to 
the narrowest of margins, maybe like a point or even goal difference, because I think we got the better goal difference at um, plus seven over them at the moment. So, yeah, it'll be a narrow margin. Hopefully, we'll still just about do it. The Matchday FM podcast, available now on Apple and Spotify. Looking down towards the bottom of the table now, uh, the relegation plot took a bit of a twist at the uh, at the weekend with Fulham getting the win over Sheffield United and Newcastle dropping points at Man United. And then we saw Brighton somehow lose to Crystal Palace. And first of all, then guys, massive win for Fulham. They're the ones who, obviously, are the sides in the bottom three are looking most likely to get out, out of it. And at the moment, look at strong bet really to get out of it as well, don't they, Tom? Because they're picking up results are in really good form. And um, if they'd have turned a couple of these draws into wins, they could have been way higher. So do you do you feel as though there's a bit of momentum behind them and going into the game with Palace now, if they can win that, then it's really on for them. Yeah, no, they've got just what you need at this point in the season, which is the right form. This is sort of going to the business end of the season. And um, yeah, I mean, God, the, the, what the last loss was it against Leicester, who are probably the most informed team in the league. Well, not at the moment, one of the most, the most informed teams. They're up there. So to be honest with you, um, the, the, what the winning breeds winning as well. And um, they'll be looking at the table and seeing that, what is it, three points off? That they're, they're off um, going level with... Uh, with Newcastle, is it? Yeah, Newcastle. That's that's the worrying part for them. Is that they've and and the goal difference as well. I mean, it's minus eleven, which isn't great. But then looking at Newcastle, that that'll buoy them as well. That they've got not a disastrous goal difference by any stretch of the imagination. So if if they if they keep looking up the table and use that as a kind of inspiration, sort of saying, "God, we're nearly there." Then um, I yeah, I, especially I think they they can do it personally. I mean, but then again. Newcastle as well, they've got the players to, they've, they've still got players that can easily get them goals and can see them over the lines. And get, it's, it's, it's a tough one, but Fulham certainly have the form to do it at this point. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd say they should have every confidence. And Harry, obviously Fulham got the win against Sheffield United, got Crystal Palace next. It's an absolutely massive game for them, isn't it? Because, you know, if they can win this and results go their way, um, you know, they will be out of the bottom three. And when they've got the teams around them, um, I know, because I, I think after this, they have a bit more of a difficult run. Um, so is this game at the weekend crucial for them? Yeah, definitely. Well, on that run they've got afterwards, they've got Spurs, Liverpool, Man City and Leeds. So it is a bit of a must-win game against Palace this weekend. But I, I really hope for them to get out of it, to be honest. Um, of all the teams, if you look at the bottom of the table around them, you look to Sheffield United, West Brom, Newcastle. They they're all pretty anti-football, to be honest. Um, and Fulham actually try and play a bit of football. Their, their problem obviously has been scoring goals. And uh, I expected a lot more from Mitrovic, but he's barely been involved really. Uh, so if they if they could get well, if they had brought in maybe a, a more established strike, obviously Josh Majed might score the odd goal. Obviously did score two the other week, uh, but. Yeah, I'd like to see them get out of it. They've lost one in one in seven, I think, in the league. Um, defensively, they've been so much better recently as well. Kept three clean sheets in the last four. Uh, when we were talking about hoodoos before with, with Everton and Liverpool, ironically, Fulham ended one of the biggest hoodoos in football. They'd never won it um, away at Everton in, in league football. So to go there and do that when so many Fulham teams in the past who've been relatively decent and, and not been able to win there, um, to do that so comfortably, and it could have been four, five, maybe even six, really. Um, that shows the level of confidence that Fulham are playing with at the moment. And yeah, I think they're much more refreshing to watch than the other teams down there. But uh, you have to feel like if if Brighton Palace had been a draw, as it looked like it was heading to, uh, this game might have had a bit more significance on both sides. But it looks as though um, your tip to go down Palace might just uh, have done enough now. Well, yeah, coming on to Palace, they how on earth have they won that game? They were, they were, it was awful. Two was shots awful. on goal and they, and they've won. It's, it's like, they had two touches in two touches in the Brighton box all game. Two goals. It, 
for, for Palace, obviously, it's, it's it's a great result for them. Like you say, it puts them on 32 points now. And um, speaking to Sam on the last one, and we reckon about 35, 36 points probably keeps keeps you in the league. So they're only four points off that. Um, and like I say, it takes the pressure off a little bit um, for this game against Fulham. But, oh, I, it, it just pains me to see that they've won a game by just not doing anything and literally had two I attacks. Think, I think there was a start at half-time. Uh, I don't know. That obviously, this is massively exacerbated by the end of the game. Um, I think at half-time, so in the course of the game and a half that, that Brighton and Palace had played each other in, I think Brighton had had 26 shots and Palace had had three and they'd both scored two goals. And obviously, in the second half, um, Palace only managed two shots, one of which was uh, about 40 yards over. And then the goal in the last minute and brought and probably stuck another 10 on, I'd imagine. Um, so I, I still can't believe it. I sort of uh, said to my dad watching it as a joke, like I imagine if they score when, when they gave the ball away. But yeah, um, and there was a lot of people complaining on Twitter about the style of play. Uh, well, Palace fans as well, especially. But um, I don't think they were too concerned at, at the end when you get when you win a game like that, that it's just so undeserved. Um yeah, but that's what Roy Hodgson does. That's why at the start of the season we were a bit sort of miffy picked to go down because they just they can just hang in there and they had no no right to. Uh, defensively, obviously Gary Kaye was helping out a lot. That experience that he's got, um, I thought he was really good on Monday. And yeah, they just to be honest with you, they they, they seem to make Brighton run out of ideas. They they just in the last ten minutes there was there was like a bombardment for the first 25, 30 minutes of the second half, and then Brighton just sort of took a step back like they almost didn't know what to do anymore and, and Palace just just fend them off it was almost like the classic Roper though um, but yeah most most undeserved win I've, I've, I've ever seen probably will ever see but I don't think uh, don't think Palace fans care one jot and Tom do you feel Palace are probably there or thereabouts in terms of safety now having got that result yeah they've nearly got to the is it the magic 40 points they call it they're almost they're getting there aren't they Couple more, one or two more wins, and they should be safely over the line, you'd imagine. And will they, if they get there, will it be one of those where once you hit the magic 40, they kind of go on, on the beach mentally, kind of thing where you, where you see the once, once a team hits a certain threshold, you know they're safe. So you see a sort of drop off, and you see, we've seen it so many times, and I, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. But no, I've, 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 especially with the, the quality of what's below them as well. Admittedly, that wasn't a game that 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 wasn't a game that they uh, deserved to win, but they did. Um, and it's just those qualities, really, that they just, just every so often they're going to bad run, but they know just conveniently when to win at the the right time. I know it doesn't really sound scientific or logical, but it just sort of it's, yeah, they just pick good times to pick up points. They never seem to go on a truly dreadful run of form. They always seem to have a kind of win in them that occurs every what couple of weeks and even then go on a nice little run it's just yeah it's typical palace that's what the that's what the, I think that's what the trademark's been the past couple of seasons anyway in terms of Brighton then Harry you, you said they um they seemed to run out of ideas at one point against Crystal Palace um you know I, I know on this podcast a lot of us have, have praised the way Brighton have played played good stuff um but they just can't find a win can they because they just can't score enough goals and you just look, imagine if they had a Danny Ings, a Patrick Bamford, somebody like that who's looking at 10, 15 goals a season. Just how many games would they have turned into wins? I think of when they were beaten by Man United, they were outstanding. They hit the woodwork, what was it, five or six times. That game against Crystal Palace, probably the other game against Crystal Palace as well. And if they had a, a striker who was guaranteeing 10, 15 goals a season, they'd probably be comfortable, wouldn't they? Yeah, probably, but it, it comes to a point where you, you keep playing that well and and not winning. I mean, whenever I watch Brighton, they seem to play well. Uh, particularly at Man City, they were very good and and got beat. But that's the thing; they always seem to get beat against Chelsea on the opening day of the season. I thought they were excellent, got beat. Um, you go through the list; they 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 play when they they still get beat. Uh, the last time they scored more than one goal in the game was second of January against Wolves. So that's that's your problem. Um, yeah, the, the lack of firepower. Neil Mope is very hit and miss. Uh, I don't know. 
their their home record's pretty. I think they they won one home game all come the year, didn't they? Uh, in twenty twenty, and that was against Arsenal. And and so even fans were in for some of that. So we, we were talking obviously earlier about the impact that no fans has had on as in Liverpool. It's done nothing for Brighton. Um, yeah, I I struggle to see where their wins come from. To be honest, I know they've been on a decent little run, but they're not winning enough games. Um, yeah, I I really struggle. They've obviously got the game against West Brom and. After that, they've got Leicester, Man United, and Everton, Chelsea down the list. Uh, so they could easily get dragged into it, and it wouldn't it wouldn't take much, would it? Really, but the way the way that Fulham are playing and the way that they're playing, you'd have to say they're bang in trouble. And Tom Brighton playing West Brom, as as Harry said, again that falls into the category of absolute must win. Yeah, that's the perennial six points. I know it's the most overused term these days, the six points, but it really is. Um, yeah, they just have to get those points from somewhere. Like Harry said, outside of that, you can't really see where the um, the points are going to come from, to be honest with you, unless unless they pull out these sort of gritty performances that this that we saw um, we saw against Liverpool, for example. But um, it's just... it's Yeah, it's a tough one because you said Brighton got... Plaudits are playing the right way, well, the right way, a way which people seem to admire, and then but they still lose. It's not, it's not exactly Leeds levels of <laughs> of adoration for 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 certain performances that don't deserve it. But um, yeah, you just it's it's a struggle to see where. I mean, I mean, what they got, what they got uh, coming up. I mean, they got game against Leicester. I again with the way Leicester are playing, I don't see much coming from that. Southampton, though, that'll be a big one. I mean, Southampton's as Harry points out, Southampton's form is really at a low point. If Everton continue that and then continue to add to the misery there, that might be something for them. But I mean the big one, I mean they're really looking at looking at a big one from, from Bright's point of view. They've got Newcastle on the uh, 20th of March. That that could be even more big. That could be Bigger than this one, if they if they really are struggling for form, if like if West Brom get a result, then and they don't get any more points from that, that will be a bigger game than this. But we'll just wait and see. And Tom mentioned Newcastle there, Harry. Uh, they are the side directly above um, the relegation zone. I thought they did okay against United. Um, had chances, um, caused problems, um, but it's a similar situation for them. Uh, you can't really see him scoring more than the odd goal, um, especially without Callum Wilson. And, you know, they've got a game against Wolves now who are a tough nut to crack. Um, I, like you said the phrase anti-football before Wolves have been accused of that a few times as well. So it's not going to be an easy game for Newcastle. But again, they're, they're, I've heard the phrase sleepwalking to relegation. Um, they are in trouble, Newcastle, aren't they? Especially without Callum Wilson scoring the goals. Yeah, Callum Wilson's such a big miss. Uh, he scores a very large percentage of their goals, but you go back long enough, and when he was in the team, they were still getting beat. I mean, the only two games that they've won in the last sort of two, three months were against Everton and, and Southampton. Uh, and without those two wins, well, which get games where they, on paper, shouldn't, certainly shouldn't have won, where Everton, you'd, you'd always have Everton to beat Newcastle. Uh, but certainly this season anyway, and then Newcastle had 10 men against Southampton and, and still got the job done. But if you take away those, then, yeah, they'd be even more unsure. But sleepwalking into relegation is definitely the the right term, and they will find it very hard to break walls down. That is, um, they're one of the last sort of teams you'd want to play, really, in that situation. You sort of want someone a bit more, a bit more open. I, I think Brighton would be a decent opponent for them right now, purely because of how Brighton play. But... It, it, got, it, it looked at the start of the season like there was seven or eight teams who could go down. It looked like it seemed fascinating. And then teams kind of pulled away and we were left with Sheffield United, West Brom and Fulham, who just looked miles worse than everything else. Uh, so it's good that Fulham have picked up and so many others have sort of dropped off a little bit to give us something to talk about because at the end of the, end of the table, certainly looks like City are going to run away with it. So we could have been left with two pretty boring uh scenarios at the top and bottom with some filler in the middle but yeah it should be um, a pretty good into the season now 
This is the Matchday FM podcast, bringing you debate, discussion and the occasional audio argument as we talk the best and worst of sport. You can find details of upcoming episodes on our social media to search for Matchday FM. Prediction time then, fellas. Uh, so, starting on Saturday, 12.30 kickoff, Man City, who are seemingly unbeatable right now, taking on West Ham, who, to be fair, are having an outstanding season. Uh, there's no two ways about it. Um, I know we've spoken on previous podcasts about how good a job David Moyes is doing at the London Stadium. Now, any case here for West Ham ending Man City's run at the Etihad's, what do you reckon, Harry? Oh, as, good, as good as West Ham have been, I, I don't think you could bet against Man City with with any team at the moment, to be honest. Um, the, the way they're playing, was it 19 consecutive wins? They just they look so unflustered at the back all the time. Then they, they never look like they're going to concede, even against Everton. Our goal went enough. Um, Richardson's backside, they knew nothing about it. So, um, I mean, just looking at the head table between the two, it, West Ham's record against Man City is pretty poor and they seem to get tonked a fair bit, albeit they drew earlier in the season when Man City weren't at their best. Um, but I think, obviously, West Ham are a, bit, are a lot more rigid these days and they'll go for a 2 win, which is pretty respectable to Man City. Um, uh, yeah, along similar lines to Harry. I mean, to be fair, West Ham have got good four. Was it three, three out of the four? Wins the past league, past four league games they've had have been have three wins, but the way City are playing, it's not, it's just, it's it's not even reminiscent of uh, the eighteen to nineteen season. It's reminiscent of seventeen to eighteen that that sort of centurion style kind of form and rediscovered. And yeah, it looks ominous. Not, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. That's you don't want to be caught up against that. And and the, and then the way West Ham against City tends to be a mauling most years anyway, even when City aren't at the best. So. I mean, I mean to be fair though, I back, I'd back West Ham to at least get a goal or two. I think that the unbeatable clean sheet run might come to an end for City, but I'd, comfortable winners for City. Uh, for City, I'll go four-one. City. So yeah, I'd I'd love Jesse Lingard to bag a ninety-third minute winner in this, but yeah. I just, I don't see it happening. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go uh, Man City. Uh, I'm gonna go two 0 like Harry said. They they just look like. Like you said, Harry, all flustered at the back and you just back them to score every game now. So, yeah, we've got 2-0 Man City, so clean sweep for them. West Brom-Brighton, we've uh, spoke about the importance of, of this game for Brighton. Obviously, if West Brom win, you never know. It might give them a glimmer. Um, but it's just, a, it's just a massive game all round, isn't it, Tom? Which way do you see it going? Uh, hoping Sam's going to keep the keepers way of playing or putting commas or not commas or putting a in brackets playing um keep his style. Um but that's usually quite solid and Brighton have been struggling. I'll go I'll go for a draw, I'll go for a one one. Harry Yeah, not um not a classic I don't think. Um two teams don't score very many goals. I I don't think I could ever pick West Brom to a game of football. I mean, they've only won once in the league <laughs> under Allardyce. So, um, although they've obviously had a couple of draws recently against United and and Burnley, uh, and Harry I, still I think a draw. Yeah, Harry still well, Allardyce football from the first hand point yeah. of view. So, yeah, yeah. I don't like thinking about that, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, say, I think a draw. I, I'll go. I'll go nil nil. Won't be watching that one, will you then, Harry? Um, <laughs> um, I, 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 I can see it be tight, KG. Um, it's a tough one. It is a tough one to call, but I'd like to see Brighton um, stay up. Um, it's an end result anyway. For all reasons. Yeah. <laughs> For the sake of football. Yeah, Ultimately, <laughs> which one of these two would you, would you rather see in the Premier League? Everybody says Brighton. <laughs> Probably even some West Brom fans, based on uh, some of the uh, dos they've um, they've shown this season. Yeah, I'm going to go Brighton one nil um, for this one. Uh, Leeds Aston Villa Harry, uh, intriguing game. Really, both sides um, play decent enough stuff, and uh, I'd imagine a lot of people will be looking at the 
can Villa do stuff without Jack Grealish? Yeah, uh, I mean, I'd, I'd be a lot more hopeful about this game if they weren't basically playing on an ice rink. As we've seen the last few times Leeds have been at home with the amount of players falling over, they're going to have to make some sort of record new uh, studs to be able to keep the feet in those. Uh, but yeah, Leeds, are, well, they're only five points off the European places. Um, all that, all for, for all they've sort of been right, rightly criticised in some manners for taking a few tonkins away the big teams. Uh, they are obviously really good to to watch and they don't change themselves for anyone which is which is refreshing uh, and maybe a little bit suicidal at times as we've seen uh, but Villa again the improvement that, that they've had this season um, I know they're back in Smith with fair play to him for what he's done taking the team who've stayed up on the final day to within the reach of Europe uh, I think um, I think it'll be a really good game hopefully the pitch doesn't spoil it too much as we've kind of seen recently but I'll go uh, yeah without Grealish uh, I think Villa will struggle. I'll go for Leeds 3-1. Tom? Yeah, at the moment it seems both teams are fitting the cliche of being consistently inconsistent, especially Leeds. You just don't know what you're going to get some, some, some days with them. But Grealish really is that sort of glue that holds the whole Villa, hold the whole Villa approach together. And without him, they're just not the same team anyway. I think it's, I struggle to think of a team in the league that's more dependent on a single player than Villa out of Grealish at this point. So, along, yeah, for those reasons, I'll, I'll go with what Harry said. I'll go for 3-1 uh, leads. Yeah, I, I think, you know, like we said, Villa just aren't the same with, without Jack Grealish. I think, you know, most teams would um, would miss somebody like him anyway. And, and Leeds have got a couple of players in banging form, you look at Bamford, you look at Rafinha, I think he's been outstanding this season. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I'm going to go Leeds. I'm going to go uh, 2-1 uh, to Leeds United in that one. Newcastle Wolves, Tom. We've, you know, Newcastle the side directly above the relegation zone. If they lose this, they could drop into it. Can they get a result at St. James's? Uh I mean, it's one where you really, if you were a Newcastle fan, you really wish you were in the ground for that one. Just to that, 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 that would be a massive one for Newcastle if they did. Um, Wolves themselves, I mean, we all know Wolves are not having the, the best campaigns for them by their standards that they set the past couple of seasons. It's been fraught, again, fraught with inconsistency, just not the same side that many found so refreshing last season to watch. But still got enough to, I think it's still got enough to keep the Newcastle misery going a bit longer. So I'm not, I won't, I don't think it'll be, I don't think it'll be a runaway one for Wolves. Though I'll go for, a, I'll go for a two-one to Wolves. What about you, Harry? Yeah, not a classic. Um, won't be uh, looking forward to this one too much. Wolves have picked up to be fair um, for all they don't play very entertaining football. They they always seem to get results every season. They won three of the last four now and they were pretty good against Leeds, I thought, and came from down against Southampton before that. Um, and yeah, Newcastle without Callum Wilson are very threatening, I would say. And I think Wolves will win. I don't think it'll be classic or entertaining or even half decent to watch. They're 1-0 Wolves. Yeah, you just got the feeling of 1-0 either way and you, you can see Newcastle having a lot of the ball and quite a few chances um, as they throw everything at at it, especially late on. But, yeah, I've just got a feeling Wolves are just going to provide a sucker punch as well. I'm going to go 1-0 Wolves um, like you guys as well, which will mean that Fulham will have the chance to climb out of the bottom three when they take on Crystal Palace at Sellers Park. And Harry, do you think that will happen? Will Fulham get the win they need? Yeah, I, I think they, I think they will. I think the game will be very similar to what we saw between Palace and Brighton, in that Palace will be happy to concede the possession. Fulham will be on the front foot, and it's whether Fulham can take the chances. Uh, Adam Lookman has been really good. I, I obviously really liked him at Everton, and it was a shame it never worked out there. But he's he's found a home at Fulham that's that's definitely working for him, and I think he could be pretty key in this. Uh, again, not a classic, but. I think either, either team will care if they can get a result. But I, I, that, the kind of football Palace play, it can't work every week. And I think Fulham will beat them 
What do you reckon then, Tom? Uh, yeah, Fulham are far more in need of the points here, aren't they, in this particular match? And Palace, yeah, they got because we, we we know we know what they're all about. We know I think we all pretty much know what we're going to get after we'll have to watch if you want to watch that, which might not be the most pleasant thing in the world. Um, but no, I'd say Fulham, Fulham get the early goal or Fulham score first, then I can't really, can't really see Palace just chasing and being anyone because I think that will play more into Fulham's hands if Palace have to chase this. So I'd, I'd go, I'll go Fulham as well, but I'll say 2 1 to Fulham. Yeah, uh, Harry mentioned Luckman. Really impressed with him in, uh, in recent weeks. Loftus Cheek, he, he's a player that just looks like he need he needs a goal to add to all the other things he's been been doing for the sides. Yeah, I, I I can only see one winner here. I think Fulham are in a really good place and have got the confidence, and I think they firmly believe that they will get out of this. And I can see them winning by two goals to nil in that one. Um, choice of games then at twelve o'clock. Uh, Leicester Arsenal is uh, is also taking place. Um, Come to you first, Tom, for this one. Um, what are your thoughts on this? It looks an interesting game on paper. Um, yeah, it does actually. To be fair, this is one that, as for all of what for all of what Arsenal have been going through, as we speak at this moment, it's not going too well in the Europa League. But right. <laughs> but no, they're going into that, and also they have this fixture as well, which is additional ones to be played, which means Leicester will be more fresh. And it's just. Yeah, Leicester just seemed to be for me the team outside. Obviously, outside the team outside of Man, other than Manchester City, who um, just seems to have the knack of just, yeah, just knowing how to how to win. And in this new climate we find ourselves, I think I find, I find them acclimatizing well to this sort of temp, well temporary uh, era of uh, no fans. We find ourselves, and I think they've adapted certainly quite well. I mean, obviously they had the the absolute horror show of the end of last season, but they've seemed to have worked some, worked out this season how to do it. And I, oh yeah, I'll go, I'll go for, I'll go for a Leicester, but I'll go for a four-two to Leicester. I think it'll be, um, it'll be, I think it'll be quite a few goals in that one. Do you see goals too, Harry? Uh, not particularly. Uh, Arsenal have been pretty good at the back. Uh, obviously, they they were, they were they were decent against Man City, I thought, and. They, they might have equalised in the second half. Man City dropped off a fair bit, thinking that the job was done. But Leicester, uh, yeah, they look they look very good. Obviously, it'll be di- difficult without James Madison for however long he's out. And as, as Tom mentioned with Arsenal, it depends on how they get on in Europa League tonight uh, for their mindset going into Sunday. But uh, the way that they've been playing, they've been just swatting teams aside. And by their only loss in. Um, in the last month was against Leeds and that was sort of right at the end and uh, the third goal in that came just after Leicester looked like equalising so it might have been very different but Leicester won the last three home games against Arsenal I don't expect that to change I think they'll, they'll win comfortably 2-0 Yeah I've been really impressed with Leicester I think Harvey Barnes is making a really strong case um, towards the England squad as well the way he's, he's playing adding goals to his game this season in particular which I've been really impressed with um, and impressed generally with, with Leicester um, I, I remember watching that game they were beaten by Leeds and um, I thought he was just an excellent performance from Leeds to be fair I don't think Leicester did an awful lot wrong in that game but yeah at, at Arsenal I thought they were okay against uh, Man City like Harry said but I, I just think Leicester are in a slightly better place and I'm going to go for 3-1 to, to Leicester City in that one. Tottenham against Burnley. Come to you first, Harry, on this one. Well, again, I don't see this being much of a classic. Spurs have been uh, Europa League aside pretty awful. I mean, they've lost the last... Well, the last five in the, in the, in the Premier League. So, uh, oh, sorry... They've lost five of the last six, but they had a win against West Brom in there, so um, pretty much a walkover as it stands. Uh, but Burnley will be a total nightmare for them. They'll just sit in. They'll be more than happy to take the point, and if they can nick one on the counter-attack, then they will. I think it's a massive game for Spurs. Uh, they could, they're already four points behind Everton in seventh. Villa are above them, and, and Villa have a game in hand. 
if if they were to drop points here, uh, it becomes a bit of a bit of a mountain to climb to get back into contention. Certainly for uh, Europa League, but Champions League as well. In that uh, stadium, they've got their new Champions League football, and it seems like Mourinho's struggling again. And yeah, I, I think they might just nick this one. I think they'll bounce back, uh, and I'll go one 0 Spurs. Do you see it being another bit of a struggle then, Tom? Yeah, I mean, it's the kind of game where you think once Burnley get dug in and do the usual stuff that we know they do, then Spurs are going to find it hard, get flustered. But I still think they'll still the quality just about just about get the the job done. Um, so I'll go, I'll go Spurs one nil. Yeah, Mike, uh, like you basically said, not going to be classic. Oh, go on, sorry. Yeah, but that being. I'm saying that being said, though, Burnley, if Burnley have shown that they can get results against teams with quality, said they did the job on us at Anfield to end the yeah, but who that run. Who doesn't it's these days? That's true. Yeah, that's true. But if you've been a team with that still team of quality, that you're going to have confidence regardless of what we, how we play that day. You've been a team who's done what we've done the past couple of seasons. You will have the confidence. But like I said, I, I think Spurs will have enough to get it done. Yeah, I think ultimately Spurs surely have enough quality to create enough chances to get a goal, um, even against uh, a Burnley side that I usually so good at keeping you out. But I'm going to go uh, going to go 1-0 as, as well to Spurs. Can't see it being a classic, especially after a, a Thursday night outing as well, however easy it was in the end. But uh, Chelsea against Man United. Chelsea reformed under Thomas Tuchel. United uh, second in the league, um, you know... Very, very slim hopes um, in anything other than second place at, at the minute. That's what they're all fighting for. And, you know, the resurgence of Chelsea now, Tom, puts them right back in the conversation for the top four. Um, having slipped quite a, quite a way out of it under the end days of, of Frank Lampard. So it's a big game. You know, th- these two have developed a bit of a rivalry over recent times as well when they were both going for titles. So, uh it's always a big game when Chelsea United meet. What way do you see it going, Tom? Uh, oh, this 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 one, I, I think this one should be a good one to watch. There's usually fireworks and these two are involved. And we've seen it over the years. Um, Chelsea, yeah, it's just sort of been a slight transformation, hasn't ever since Tuchel's come in. Admittedly, uh, they stall slightly with the, the draw of Southampton, but in and around that, the form's been... Yeah, impeccable. Especially the beating of of, of uh, Atletico in the midweek as well. Such that the La Liga league leaders, um, that Atletico to, to go and beat them in their own ground. That's yeah, some going as well with that with that with their form and their quality. That that'll buoy them. And um, you know, I I'd back I'd back Chelsea to actually get the result here. I mean, admittedly, United also are in decent form. They've been cruising along quite nicely into top four kind of form but no I think I think this, if, if the Chelsea side that I've seen these past couple of well these past few matches turn up I think they'll beat them so I'll go for um, go for a Chelsea 3-1 What about you Harry? Well this game first time around was um, was absolutely diabolical and they've certainly got a manager now Chelsea and Thomas Tuchel who has um not much interest in playing attacking football as we've seen. Uh, I've watched most of their games under him and they've been um, pretty dreadful to watch, but they're picking up wins. So that's the important thing. He's improved them massively, but fair play to him in that regard. Uh, the amount of clean sheets they've kept, they've not conceded more than once in a game under him. I think it's only two goals, full stop, and all the games have been in charge. So he's definitely improved them. And I just think Man United are very, very good away from home and, and the players they've got. I find it very difficult to split them and you, you can't imagine Bruno Fernandes being kept out of the game uh, no matter how much Chelsea have improved defensively. Uh, but I think it's probably one that both teams don't want to lose. So I'll go for one all. Yeah, I think um, Chelsea have been uh, much better under the new management. In, in terms of United, so good away from home this season, um, which is you know, any other season, that's a great achievement. But in this season where everybody's running away from home, it, it's still a great achievement, but it just shows how poor the, the home form's been. Um, and I think 
it'd be interesting to see whether Scott McTominay's fit because I I firmly believe that he's United's best central midfielder. Him and Fred as a combination, they just look so much better because they have a bit defensively and a bit going forward from that position. Um, and again, Cavani, if he's fit, they look for me a better side with Cavani down the middle. Um, so it will be interesting to see whether those two are available. Tough game either way for United. I'm going to go, I'm going to edge United here. I'm going to go for 2 1 um, to Ollie's side. Uh, Sheffield United at home to Liverpool. Might as well come to you, Tom, then. Um, your side, Liverpool. Um, are you going to stop the rot against Sheffield United or are you going to fall to another upset here? No, I mean, God forbid, but <coughs> hey, I'd like to think. So good teams get, only the good teams get uh, beat by Sheffield. No. Oh uh, yeah, it was tremendous. Was a good laugh. Um, no, I mean, so we have been better playing from uh, away from home. Better. I mean, it's not hard to improve. Not <laughs> to do better than what we've been doing at home. But um, I hear that Joss has been back in training as well, so he's in with a shout. And if if Joss turns up in that starting eleven, I might. Oh, it'll be just a sight to behold for us fans because it's just, it just he's the the player that was driving our campaign forward. God, it feels like a lifetime ago now, but that was back when things were a lot rosy. And if he comes back and gets him, gets himself a goal or two, it'd be the world of good for us. Um, but still, just because Sheffield United you know, have been so, so, so bad, I'd like to think that if, even if we just demonstrate even a remote chance, that even the small amount of our quality we have, we should get, we should beat them. So I'll go, I'll go for 2-0, Liverpool. Harry, your thoughts? Well, two of the worst teams in the league meeting, isn't it? So it's not a not hard of watching this by by anyone's stretch of the imagination. Um, yeah, I mean, Jota has been a big miss for Liverpool, but you know, if the manager hadn't played him and got him injured in a dead rubber, it might have been different for for a manager who's complained so much about fixture lists and how often players have got to play and how they should be protected. You know, it was pretty reckless from uh, from Mr. Klopp to to play all his he was some of his big stars like Salah and Jota in that game way at Mitchelland and paid the price for Jota getting a serious injury so uh, I, I I'm not sure if he'll be back for this necessarily but uh, I still think you'd be a bit of a maniac to pick Sheffield United to win any game of football as much as they've been a little bit better recently obviously they go Chelsea again and uh, they weren't that bad at Man City either and obviously as you mentioned started they, they won at Old Trafford but um, I mean the, the firepower Liverpool have up front it's got to come good at some stage and uh, even their passive defence should be able to cope with uh, Sheffield United's pretty League One standard forward line. So uh, I think it'll be a pretty tight game, but I'll go for 1 0 Liverpool. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go 2 uh, 0 Liverpool on, on that one. Yeah, just can't really see uh, Sheffield United getting anything from that one. And then we'll finish Everton against Southampton. Harry, um, can Everton, like you touched on earlier, can they back up that great win against Liverpool and get another win against Southampton here? Well, Southampton have lost six of the last seven and they haven't won at Goodison in about 30 years, I think. So, also said pretty nicely for a one Southampton win. Uh, <laughs> I, real, I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'd always be hopeful that Everton could be a team like Southampton, but who knows? But, but the home run, the poor home run has to end at some point, you would you would fancy. But um, I think it'd be a difficult game. Uh, Danny Ings always seems to score against us. And yeah, I, I'm not sure... I mean, we could really do with just a comfortable, comfortable win, but I'm not sure we'll get it. Uh, but I, I do think we'll win. We've, we've we've not won at home in two months, and that run's got to end at some point. And I, I fancy it's your Monday. I'll go for two-one Everton. And Tom. Yeah, again, it's surely got to be done sooner or later by Everton. Um, yeah, I'll go for about. I can go for a go for a free one hours and I think also again it's a confidence game isn't it and getting the result which Everton as a club and all the fans have been wanting in the league the, the one result they've been wanting to win for years and years to finally get it that's got to they've got to be buzzing even now <laughs> after all after what nearly nearly a week getting on for a week they'll be buzzing still from that and that that for me that'll that'll give them the uh, the spirit and jump to go and get the win at home that they've Need to get as well. So now I've got, yeah, go 3-1 Everton. Yeah, I think Everton are going to win this as well. I'm going to go uh, for 2-0. 
And then uh, very quickly then, gents, let's get our performance manager, player and goal of the week. I'll come to Harry first for his performance. Well, there's only one place to go, really. Maybe, uh, f- finally got a Merseyside derby win at Anfield. Uh, tactically, as was pointed out on Monday Night Football, Jamie Carragher was really good bit of um, analysis. The, the man-marking job that Everton did, Seamus Coleman on Andy Robertson and uh, Mason Holgate on Sadio Mane, just nullified that left-hand side of Liverpool, uh, which is so threatening. And um, yeah, it was just an excellent performance. Uh, very, looked very comfortable. And uh, to, to bounce back um, from two defeats against Fulham and Man City at home in that manner uh, it was very impressive. Bob, about you, Tom, are you giving your performance to? Yeah, I mean, I'd, as much as I try and scramble to find something that's not Everton, I can't really argue against it because it's there is if there's any results in the league fo- in league football, you ask Everton as a all the fans they want it's that one and yeah fair play to them it was very yeah just the perfect performance to them really um, it's the one that yeah I don't think they've coded any better really what, what, in how it worked out on the night for them so yeah no, got, got, got to give it to them yeah I think Everton clean sweep for them in terms of performance back to you now Harry for manager yeah I'm going to stick with Carl Angelotti again uh, the amount of well, there's been a few managers, certainly plenty of chances Everton have had over the only years and they couldn't get it done. And Ancelotti's now unbeaten in three league derbies against Liverpool, albeit obviously lost in the cup, but focus on the league. Uh, yeah, two clean sheets in those games as well. And as, as I mentioned with the performance, tactically got it spot on. And um, yeah, the, to be able to attract a player like Hamish Rodriguez, Everton um, deserves to mention itself, really. Tom? Yeah, again, can't really argue against it <laughs> as much bores and it presses me. No, you can't. Like I said, it's Ancelotti, the track record's there. Again, you can't argue against it. And you say it's worryingly for, for Liverpool fans, it's um, it's looking pretty ominous the way he's getting out and going. And a, pro, a project does seem to be coming together that could result in something far worse for us and far greater for them. And I yeah, that was certainly um, deserving of it this week, that accolade. And we'll go for player next then, Harry. Oh, actually, I should give my manager, Carlo Ancelotti, a <laughs> clean tweet of again. Well, was it, was it, was it going to be anyone else? Yeah, to be fair, I think the only other one I was potentially thinking would be David Moyes for winning again. Um, but to be fair, we <laughs> give it really yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, either way, either, either way, it's going to it's going to someone involved in Everton, isn't it? So we'll uh, we'll take that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, Harry, let's get your player then. Yeah, uh, for me, Rafinha. Uh, I thought, well, obviously, he's had an extra game to be impressed, but even against Wolves, I thought he was very good and could have had at least two or three assists in that game. Then comes to Monday night, and again, uh, he should have scored in the first half when he inexplicably slowed up winning on goal and somehow allowed Ori Romay to catch up with him and tackle him and then put in the worst dive I think I've ever seen on a football pitch but um, more than made up for that in the second half the, the pace he's got is brilliant the free kick again was was excellent and he's starting to add a few more goals to his game which is what he needed but only 24 Leeds got him for 17 million you would probably say that value's already doubled and it's only going one way and that's up um, yeah I think he's been excellent and, and I was particularly impressed with him over the weekend What about you Tom? Yeah I- I'll go with Rafinha as well. I mean, it's not one that I actually I watch live, but then I, I think, of course, I look on Twitter and I'm already seeing our fans crying to sign him. So that means that one of two things, A, we'll end up paying God knows over the odds, or B, he'll just fall, we'll fall off a cliff now with Liverpool fans start going on about a player we should sign. But no, watch the highlights back and yeah, it's impressive stuff. Um, certainly one of the players outside, of, obviously, again, I say outside of Manchester City, one of the players in form in the league at the moment we've seen right now. And um, if he keeps that up, Leeds certainly certainly might actually be able to build some consistency into their results, and that for them would, God, that 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 for them would be quite a bit of vindication to those who, who always keep leveling the same criticism as they do at Bielsa to have some consistency. That would mean the world to them. But um, yeah, the, the free kick was pretty special as well. That was quite a nice one to watch. But now, go for uh, go for Rafinha. 
Well, at the risk of being boring, he was uh, <laughs> he was in my mind as well. But I'm going to throw a couple of players. I mentioned Michalis, and I was really impressed with Michalis. And um, Ben Godfrey as well, I thought was excellent um, for for Everton. And, and Pickford, for all his, um, his issues this season, did what he had to do and had a quiet, composed, good game for once. But yeah, I think Rafinha's going to have a clean sweep there, isn't it? Um, and then we're going to go for the goal. And I'd imagine, Harry, Rafinha's right in your thinking with that free kick. Is that the case? Well, well I, I don't know. I think there was, a, there was a week in the classic goals, really. Um, yeah, I thought the same. So I've I've gone for Christian Benteke against Brighton purely for what it meant. I mean, I loathe the fact that the fixture to get so much attention. They're not even remotely close. It's 45 miles. Uh, Crystal Palace is in London and Brighton's in Sussex, but whatever they've They've allowed it to somehow paint it as a derby. Uh, it's not, it might be a rivalry, but it's not. Anyway, back to the goal. Clearly, they hate each other and to score a last minute winner like that on the volley after coming off the bench, um, having been completely and utterly outplayed and not even tried to win the game to then go and do it uh, like that. Yeah, uh, I think that's a big goal of the week. Tom? No, because I, I you see, you see me looking at it because I'm not sure that that's the one I've gone for as well, which is making this. <laughs> Such a to know because it is such you, a. You two can do your I, own work, you know. I, I, I actually know it's uh, story can back me up. I literally just love my head in like sign because it actually was the one that had spent ten case. I, it's I just don't a, think we were sport for. I don't think we were sport for choice with the no, goal. It's the technique as well, which is really good. Uh, that I mean, volley, just to be fair, first time volleys are always nice to watch. To be fair, my actual choice is the other goal in the game for Crystal Palace. Cheeky back heel. I mean, I'm always a fan of a back heel, so I, I would say it's that one. And to be fair, I he's a player that I had no idea played for Crystal Palace either. Completely yeah, passed well, me by that not, one. <laughs> not only that, but uh, double magnets. Stay clever, keep them together. <laughs> there we go. I think it was his reaction was quite amusing as well. He just seemed like a jokey, like yeah, cheeky reaction. Can't yeah. beat that. Yeah, for, for a team to score. Probably two very decent goals with their only shots on target. I mean, fair play. we've got to give him a bit of credit there, Crystal Palace. If you're, yeah. gonna, if you're gonna have two shots on targets, make him good ones. They get the keeper absolutely no chance whatsoever. <laughs> so uh, that's uh, all our awards. We've done our predictions. We've had our say on the big talking points. And uh, my thanks to Tom and Harry for joining me, Crystal, on this latest episode of Prem Talk. We'll uh, obviously it's a double game week, so we'll stick some predictions on the website as well because we don't have time for another podcast when there's so much football to watch so uh, enjoy the games and tune in to all the other podcasts there's a boxing one out as well so just check out all our social medias and our website as well but thanks for listening and good night